Well, good morning, and thank you for viewing this message from Grace Vineyard Church in Purley, London. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to connect up with you and invite you to our Sunday service or events during the week. Please go to www.gracevineyard.co.uk or email our office at office at gracevineyard.co.uk For those of you who don't know me, my name is Mike. Together with my wife, Jo, we have been going to Grace Vineyard Church for just over five years now and have loved growing in all the things Jesus has led us to as regular members of the congregation. This year, we have mostly been exploring the Book of Acts by reading more about what the first apostles did after the life of Jesus. We hope to learn more about how we can live more radically for the Lord our God. In doing so, we believe that we would become more available to be used by God and see his kingdom come tangibly in the communities we live and reach into, whether that be on our street, our workspaces, or beyond. As we have journeyed, we have seen how the apostles live out this promise that Jesus makes before he ascends to heaven in Acts 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And just in case you haven't been following, I would like to point out to you that we, the Church, are evidence of this missional journey continuing to this very day, some 2,000 years after they were spoken. We're now in chapter 16 of the narrative, which describes the beginning of Paul's second missional journey, bringing the good news and teaching they have heard and agreed at the Council of Jerusalem. This is where the Apostles agreed, through the Holy Spirit's leading, what it meant to be a Christian and what rules we should abide by. Before we dive in further, I would like to pray over this message and for you who will be listening to it. So let us pray. Lord, thank you that you love us and that through your Holy Spirit you have continued to be present in our daily lives. My prayer is that we hear what you have to say to us today and how you want us to respond. Give us insight into your own journey and our own journey with you so that we can be more aware of what we can do to live out your ways and further your kingdom on earth. I've entitled this message, The Upside Down Journey. As many of you know, Joe and I have chosen to go on our own missional journey to join a church in the northeast. 
We have sold our property and have chosen to move to a small town just outside Newcastle to live and love the people God has prepared us for. And therefore, you can imagine, I got quite excited about getting to preach on this chapter. There is an element of pride in me comparing my life to Paul and all his missional journeys. But as I read the words from this chapter and prepare my message, I was immediately humbled by what this man and his companions went through just in these 40 verses. I was amazed what the Holy Spirit did through them and the courage they displayed to spread the news of the gospel to the rest of the world. This chapter tells me the many doors they had to push on that just closed in their faces, the embarrassments they face and the beatings they take. And yet the Holy Spirit shows up time after time after time. When I searched my memory banks, this journey reminded me of a trilogy series written by J.R. Tolkien, The Lord of the Rings. Many of you purists may have read the novels, or if you're a Philistine like me, you just watched the movies. It's about a group of unlikely companions who go on a journey to destroy a ring. This ring has um, a power that, un that could unleash its evil master and destroy the world as we know it. The companions have to learn to trust one another and through the many twists and turns they find homage in the most unlikely of places and relationships. They see bravery and leadership from the most unlikely of characters. One character has to make a courageous decision to leave the group and journey with just one other companion alone in the enemy territory to destroy the ring. Only pure grit and determination from the, these char two characters allow them to defeat evil, destroy the ring and return to their companions. Now, at the beginning of the journey, the odds of winning are against them. You never think they stand a chance, but good wins and evil is defeated. Like the Lord of the Rings story, this journey starts off in a similar fashion. It seems to be the makings of a disaster. But as you know, God wins. And how do we know this? As I read above, this story comes 2,000 years later. So over the next few minutes, I hope to reveal to you how this upside-down kingdom, which we want to know and be a part of, was established through one of these upside-down journeys. Firstly, God uses the available. We learned last week that the upside down journey begins with a disagreement between two companions, Barnabas and Paul. 
Barnabas leaves Paul, taking with him John Mark to go to Cyprus. Yes, Barnabas and John Mark leave Paul. Two powerhouses of the faith. Barnabas, the apostle who sold all his possessions, including the field, and gave all his money to the believers at the beginning of Acts. And John Mark, who is widely known as the writer of the Gospel of Mark, influenced by Peter. These were bl two blessed believers who had suddenly become unavailable for this journey. They go their separate ways and you don't hear about Barnabas again within the book. But we read in the first three verses of the chapter that God would use someone else, someone quite unlikely, to fill their shoes. From verse 1, Paul came to Derb and to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish but father was Greek. The believers of Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Timothy was a young man, who later becomes the leader of the church in Ephesus. This becomes one of the epicenters of the Christian faith. He is one of Paul's main protégés, and Paul writes to him at least twice that we know about in the, from the writing in the Bible. We know that he establishes Ephesus, and it becomes one of the greatest or largest churches during that time. And therefore, this should remind us that time after time we can see God using available people to fill the shoes of great men and women to carry out his mission. I recall when Joe and I were asked to join the leadership here at Grace. We were filling the shoes of two wonderful and godly people who had done and continue to do some amazing things for Jesus. Now, if Mark and Jill, our senior pastors, hadn't taken a risk on us, we probably wouldn't be going on our own mission. In our own story, we can see how God has used us as available hands and feet, and he can use you, and he will send people to you as long as you trust in him. Secondly, God uses the unlikely. The upside-down journey takes us to Philippi, and in verse 13 we pick up the story. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. He sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us home. 
Notice who Paul is speaking to. In those days, all women had a lower place than men. Also, notice the prayer meeting was not held in the city or in a grand synagogue, but it was somewhere secluded, somewhere hard to get to. It was certainly not seen as to be the top 20 things to do in Philippi on a Sunday. But Paul was guided by the Holy Spirit to go there. Who does this remind you of? If your answer is Jesus, then you're absolutely right. Jesus hung out with outcasts and prostitutes, the women, the sinners, the tax collectors. He saw their value and the treasure that was within them. Who else does this remind you of? If your answer was God, then again, you are absolutely right. The many times God shows up to the unlikely people to lead them towards bigger and greater destinies is unbelievable. A short summary is in Hebrews 11, but just to outline, Abraham was led to Canaan and began and um, became the father of faith. Moses, he met in a burning bush. Gideon, he met hiding in a threshing floor. Samuel in an orphanage. David out tending sheep. Elijah hiding in a cave. Time and time again, God showed up, eager and desperate, to use the unlikely. There's a guy I was introduced and followed on Facebook, who joined our Connect group in the summer a few times. His name is James White. I got a chance to meet with him on Zoom, and he shared his testimony. He gave me permission to tell you how in the depth of his heroin addiction, the love of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit found him only a few months before. Now he's travelling different parts of the country, preaching the name of Jesus and seeing healings and people come to Christ. It's amazing what God has done to and through him. My third point is God wins. God wins every time. When Paul meets Lydia, Luke describes her as a good person and a worshipper of God, as the text describes. And God uses Paul to convert her, and in that conversion the Holy Spirit falls. I know so many people like Lydia good people, that I love and care about, but they don't know Jesus, and don't know the joy of having the Holy Spirit within them. I was like Lydia. I thought I was a good person. I had never got in any trouble with the law. I had good friends and a decent job, but my life was all about me. When the Holy Spirit fell on me, I moved from being a good person to a welcoming person. 
I could also see true fruit growing within me. How else does God win in this chapter? Well, you see him winning over an evil spirit when Paul casts out the demon from the possessed female slave who's taunting them. And then it all seems lost again as owners of the female start accusing them of advocating customs that were not Roman. And the crowd attack Paul and his colleagues. They get beaten up severely and thrown into prison. At this stage, what would you do? Do you think God is telling them something? Have they gone the wrong way? Should they stop their mission and maybe go home? Best to live and preach another day? Maybe somewhere closer to home? No, not Paul. Instead, they begin to pray and sing hymns to the Lord. The next part is an important reminder to us to keep positive in the knowledge that God is always with us. When the chips are down, how many of us withdraw and give up when we should be pushing forwards? We need to remember we have God on our side who can do the impossible. Verse 26, it says, Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open he drew his sword about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to, to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Again, we read that God wins again. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God wins. This journey has a theme that runs through it all the way from the very beginning to the very end of the chapter. There is a plan that God has for Paul and his companions. The text states in verse 6 and 7 that the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus prevented them from reaching the province of Asia and then Bithynia. Then Paul has a dream to cross over to Macedonia and go into Europe. I'd like to propose that it was God's intention that Paul would meet Lydia 
and that he'd be prevented from going into Asia to battle with the spiritual world and take on the demon-possessed um, slave girl. He was thrown into jail so he could meet the jailer, so that he and his household would come to know the joy of Jesus and what he has done. Finally, God is our encourager. When it came time for Paul and Silas to leave prison, the magistrates came personally to see Paul and ask him to leave Philippi completely. Verse 40 tells us what this looks like. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters encouraged them. Then they left. Just as Mark was sharing last week, as a leader of the faith, it is so important to spend time with the people you are visiting. It is a way of developing newly formed friendships and relationships. This strengthens the body of the church through discipleship and mentoring. Lydia and her household potentially would have heard that Paul and Silas were thrown into prison, and therefore seeing them released so quickly would have been a powerful testimony to a new believer, showing that God is the one and the only waymaker. So how does this message relate to us for this particular time? Well, like the four points, I want to give four reasons. Given the current lockdown regulations, which keep getting tougher, it does give us an opportunity to be more available to be used by God. And even when we feel unusable, the Bible shows us God doesn't care who you are and what you have done or could do, there is always room for you in his house to be used. Thirdly, God wins. Even when it all seems lost, God wins. And finally, when there's nothing else, look to the Lord and thank him for everything he has done. We can be encouraged that he will be with us and carry us through to the other side. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, that you know us. You know us better than we know ourselves. We know you are able to use us. We know you are our encourager. And we know in the end you win. And right now, I pray you revealed yourself to us, that you will show the work of the Holy Spirit in this world, in your own little way, whether it is through a friend, a rainbow in the sky, or a hot cup of tea. We feel encouraged by your presence, and will go out as people that are available to be used by you for your love and glory. Amen.
I hope that was helpful. And as we always do, we'd like to get you, I'd like to get you into groups and discuss a few questions. You'll be pleased there are only three. Two are questions and one's more of a task. Question one, do you sense that the Lord wants you to be more available at this time? Question two, are there times when you want to just give up? And the third activity is, can you spend some time praying for one another and declaring the Lord's majesty over both these issues for each other? Can I ask you to bring words of encouragement, favour and love to build one another up? That's it from me, but thank you so much for listening. God bless.